0: Well, as the uh, helpful little uh, title in our Bible suggests, the problem of immaturity, today's uh, passage, 1 Corinthians 3, is all about spiritual growth. And I take it if you're one of our regulars here, if you're part of Church by the Bridge Blues Point Roger, you come to church because you want to grow as a Christian. That's the Christian life. Uh, becoming a Christian, knowing Jesus. And growing more and more like Jesus as the years go on. I take it that's what you want to do if you're a Christian and you're a regular here uh, this evening. Uh, You also come to this church and not the church up the road. I take it because you want this church to grow uh, spiritually and numerically. Uh, But this passage, this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians 3, has got a great warning for us, a grave uh, warning It says that you can go to church Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and not grow as a Christian. Uh, You can have the most awesome church. You can have the best preachers, the best programs, the best music, the best location, the best building, and not grow as a Christian. Just stay stagnant. stagnant. Uh, That was the problem for the Corinthian church. Uh, they thought they were awesome, and in many ways they did have an awesome church. Uh, they were founded by the Apostle Paul on the direct orders of Jesus himself. Uh, they had impressive preachers. Uh, they would have been TEDworthy um, convention speakers that you could choose from. They were culturally, culturally relevant, ethnically diverse. And their gatherings, well, they were one of the most impressive things you've ever seen. If they were in Sydney today, they'd have the most amazing website. Their preachers would be all over your, your Facebook feed and your music, their music would be in your iPhone. They were one impressive church. But Paul tells us in this chapter that they weren't growing as Christians In fact, this church was rotting into one unlovable mess of a church. And we see it just snowball and snowball as we work our way through the letter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Look at just what the Apostle Paul says uh, to this church. Look with me at verses 1 to 3. Paul says, Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ... I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still fleshly. For for since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? Do you see what Paul is saying to this six-year-old church? They've been in existence for six years. Do you see what he's saying to them? He says, you are babies. Babies. You're not mature. They thought they were really mature and spiritual. He says, no, you're babies. You're fleshly, obsessed with the things of this world. You're not spiritual as you think. And your lives, well, they're no different to the people who live around you in Corinth. That that sex-mad, pleasure-mad city Corinth that you live in. Uh, One of the most disturbing things I've ever seen on the TV was a documentary on extended breastfeeding. It featured a woman called Brenda, who was breastfeeding her daughter, Eliza, at the age of six years old. Pretty gross. And what is even more gross, she was actually breastfeeding her husband. One of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. But that really is a great illustration of what the Corinthian church was. They were a six-year-old church, and they were breastfeeding adults. Theologically, they should have been chewing on steaks, but they could only manage the baby mush. They were an awesome church. They had the most awesome preachers living in the most awesome city, but they hadn't grown up. They were, if you like, the Peter Pan church, boy that didn't grow up, the church that didn't grow up. And they were ugly. It was an ugly mess, This church, there was pride, they were selfish. Now, if you are a non Christian here tonight, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want you to see tonight in our passage just what Jesus offers, what Jesus wants from you, uh, but what he has done for you. But to the rest of us who would call ourselves a Christian, I want to ask you have you grown up? Have you grown up? Now that's hard to define, isn't it? But I want us, if you can, to step in front of the spiritual mirror and ask yourself, what would the Apostle Paul say to you if he could look at your life? Would he call you a breastfed adult? Would he look at your life and see envy and strife with other Christians, just like the Corinthian church? Would he see a life consumed with the things of this world rather than the things of God? Would he see a life shaped by the cross of Christ? By the gospel of Jesus? And by the certain resurrection that waits for you? Would he see your life shaped by that? Or would he see a life that is consumed with the worries of this world? And consumed by the same ambitions that everyone else has in Sydney? Have you grown up? Well, our maturity matters. It's not just a case of... Mattering for you and me, it matters Because it affects us all in our church See Corinth um, It it affects us all our maturity And you can see that in the Corinthian church Uh, They weren't maturing and it became a mess of a church And that is why this passage is in the Bible Uh, Not to give us a guilt trip about how uh, worldly we are but to deflate our pride in our own accomplishments and show us and overwhelm us with the grace of God and overwhelm us with the privilege that we have in Jesus. There's passages here so that we would grow ourselves and grow each other as God's church. We've got three points to help us grow tonight. Uh, three uh, quick points from the text. And you see the three points are shaped around three metaphors. So we'll uh, look at those three metaphors. The uh, first point then is that if we're to grow, we need teachers, not trophies. That's verses uh, 5 to 9. Uh, this whole first section of 1 Corinthians, all the way from chapter 1 through to chapter 4, is driven by a division of... That the church had over preachers. So they were all going around in, uh, with little hissy fits showing off saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. They were all kind of had their uh, preacher that they followed. And the thing about the Corinthian church, that it wasn't about preaching and teaching. It was about trophies. They wanted these trophies to show how spiritual and how big they were. In chapter 4, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says that they were inflated with pride. They were using these preachers to inflate, uh, inflate their pride, just like a balloon. And what Paul is doing in these verses is deflating the balloon, deflating their pride. Just look at how he does that. Have a look with me at chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, what then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. He describes these uh, preachers, uh, which the Corinthians thought were these megastars. He describes them as servants. He says, you are just following servants of the great uh, grower, which is God. And he continues with this farming metaphor. Have a look with me at verse 6 of chapter 3. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Uh, do you see what's happening here? He's saying that uh, these preachers are just servants and God is the grower. And worshipping these preachers is as bad as going around the botanical gardens and looking at the marvellous plants and trees and whatever else they have in the botanical gardens. And you're with a friend and worshipping these preachers is like arguing with your friend over whether uh, Wally, who does the hedges, or Jono, who does the watering, whether they are responsible for this garden. Of course they're not responsible for this garden. Paul says that the preachers are servants given by God so that you and I will grow. I wonder whether you spot the irony that, uh, of them uh, boasting about these preachers. You see... Uh, They are uh, are, uh, using Paul and Apollos to puff uh, themselves up with pride. But Paul says these preachers which you are puffing yourself up with, they are given to you uh, to grow. And in puffing themselves up, they're not in fact growing. They're remaining these breastfed adults. Now I don't think we here at Church by the Bridge get into too many arguments about whether whether we follow uh, paul dale or whether we follow dan webster or whether we follow andy i don't think we get into that uh, you might well do actually there's a reason why the numbers dropped after we moved venue <laughs> uh, you came in you go i thought it was dan webster on this week um, you can leave it's okay um i don't think we get into those kind of things but we do have trophy preachers don't we we have trophy preachers. We love to name drop uh, the podcast that we listen to. Oh, I'm a Keller man. I'm a Piper man. Oh, I, did you read this bo- book? Uh, we do it with our Christian CV, don't we? Whether, you know, whether you've had this conversation, you might well have been the perpetrator of this uh, conversation. You might have said, well, yes, I used to go to St. Thomas's, Simon Manchester. And before that, I was at Matthias. Good old Philip. Good old Philip. I did try Acts 20, that Acts 29 church over in Balmain, uh, but that wasn't quite for me. So I've settled here. It's close to the train line, and there's good preaching here. Have you ever been like that, name dropping? I know that I do it all the time. Uh, Paul says that teachers and preachers are not for trophies, not to show off. To your Christian friends. To make yourself look spiritual. And look more Christian. You can't just turn up to church. As if church is your hobby. Teachers are here to teach you. I think sometimes we think that. If we're in the presence of a good enough preacher. Or a good enough teacher. That somehow just being in the presence of that person. Will somehow grow us. You ever done that? I've done that all the time. Or if we listen to the right podcast will somehow be infused with the right stuff. Well, Paul says, no, teachers have been given to you so that you will feed on them, so that you will grow. I know that I kind of do that osmosis thing with Christian books. I buy these Christian books, I go to conferences, and I buy these books, and I put them on the shelf, and I somehow kid myself into thinking that just the act of buying that book will somehow go into my head matrix style and somehow grow me. Same is true for preachers. They're here to grow us and teach us. And we need to feed on them and and, and absorb what they give us. You can't just turn up to church and turn off. You see that that God has given us these teachers so that we would all grow. Teachers will uh, plant seeds in us. They will water us. They will shape us. They will trim us. They will prune us. God has given them to us, to our church, so that this place that meets in a scraggly old building will become more and more like a beautiful Christ-like church. We can't turn up and turn off. We can't ignore uh, the books that we've bought. We can't uh, just say that we read X, Y, and Z blogs. We can't ignore our Bibles. God has given us these things. So that we would grow. So I wonder, if you're not growing, I wonder whether you've been doing too much uh, turning up and turning off. Buying books and not opening them. Uh, We need teachers, not trophies. Well, second thing, if we're going to grow, we need to be builders, not bludgers. That's verses 10 to 15. And you see in verse 9 that the, the metaphor shifts from the farm to the construction site. And Paul describes here uh, God's church as this eternal building. He says, uh, uh, the, the, the metaphor in, in verse 10, the metaphor of this field is very much uh, like the point he's making about the field. Let me read uh, verse 10. He says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. The metaphor is used in much the same way, just like The teachers contribute to the growing of the field, field, so the teachers contribute to the building of the building. But there is one big difference in this metaphor. It is not just the preachers that do the heavy lifting. It is all Christians who do the heavy lifting. Have a look at the end of verse 10. He says, but each one... Must be careful how he builds. Then on to verse 12. He says. If anyone builds on that foundation. He says all Christians have the responsibility. To build God's church. You can't just turn up to church. And have your Jesus hobby. God has called us into his church. So that we would build it. We have a responsibility to build God's church. And Our building efforts matter. Did you you notice that as the the passage was read out? Let me read from the second half of... I'll read from the whole of verse 12 to 13. Uh, Paul says, If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of... Of each one's work. See the way uh, we build matters because our building will be tested. Uh, Did you see how the uh, the the different materials devalue down the list? So we go from gold down to hay and straw. Well, they the, the materials that we use will be tested. There is a day coming when Jesus will come back and He will inspect the work that we have done with our hands. What we have done with the news of Jesus that we've heard with our ears. That we've said we've put into practice. That is both a great day and a scary day. Because everything we do in this life can be hidden, can't it? Uh, We can fake it. But on that last day, it will be tested. I uh, once used to watch a TV show called Faking It in the UK. And it was a TV show where they took people with mundane jobs and gave them kind of superstar jobs. So they took a burger chef and they got them to fake being a Michelin star chef to see whether they could pull it off. And they got a, I don't know, um, a courier to see if they could pull off being an Olympic cyclist, that kind of thing. Uh, And most of the people were able to fake the test that was given to them with enough training... And enough coaching and enough blagging, it they could get away with it. But this passage tells us that there is no faking it on that day when Jesus returns. Your friends may think that you are the most mature Christian, they may think that you're the most keen being in the church, but you may know that your building work is just hay and straw and will be consumed. You can't fool God. We can fake it to ourselves, we can fake it to God, but we will not pass the ultimate test. And that changes the way we view church, doesn't it? Often we think of church as a downgrade from the movies on a Sunday, that we can come and get our religious entertainment. But this building metaphor says that we come to build God's church. It also changes the way that we measure success, doesn't it? Because the things that look successful uh, in the world, aren't successful necessarily in the church. In fact, it is God who decides who is successful. Did you notice that? Lots of people, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, let me read verse 15, uh, verse 14 and 15. It's God who decides who, who is to be rewarded. He says, "If anyone's work, If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. But he will be saved, yet it will be like an escape through fire. God decides what is successful. doesn't go into uh, too much detail about what exactly uh, that is. But God notices. God notices the invisible things that people, other people don't see. We've got a guy at our ATM uh, service, um, over He gets up at 4.30am so that he can get two buses uh, from uh, somewhere out west to, to make it to church so that he can get there on time to put the Bibles out, to put the newsletters in the Bible. No one else notices that. They just notice a Bible on their seat. God notices. God notices the prayers that you pray for your leaders, for each other. God notices the the. The invisible words of encouragement that no one else notices. God notices these things. God notices these things uh, God notices these things, and He will reward us. Now, um, a few people get into a bit of a, a tiz about this uh, concept of reward. if you 've been a Christian some time, you will have preachers telling you that it 's all about grace, that god 's gift of Jesus on the cross is a free gift, and it's not about what we do and what we earn. Uh, what, it's not about earning through what we do. Well, you notice that that isn't contradicted here. Because verse 15 says, If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, but he will be saved. Yet it will be like an, escaping through, an escape through fire. Now, Paul isn't saying that you have to earn your way to salvation. This isn't a matter of salvation or not. This is, this is a case of whether we get rewarded or not. So the incentive is there that God rewards, God sees, and we are to build our church. We are to be builders, not bludgers. Well, finally, uh, we're not just any old building. Uh, we are God's sanctuary. And that's the third point, that we are to be a sanctuary, not a scandal. Let me read verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary and the Spirit of God lives in you? Uh, The word sanctuary means God's temple and he's drawing upon the image of God's temple in the Old Testament uh, where God dwelt with his people. And it was a pretty impressive place. Our first Bible reading was from 1 Chronicles. And it described the tons of bling that was used to build the temple. Gold, silver, and onyx. I don't even know what onyx is. Some uh, posh stone, I think. Um, Really, really posh building. That building was knocked down in AD 70. And what Peter is saying is that you, if you're a Christian here today, us, as Church by the Bridge, Blues Point Road... Together are God's temple. We are God's building. We are where the Spirit of God lives. Us, as coffee eating, slice eating, cup of tea drinking, people who meet in this building, are the temple of God. With all the bling and all the onyx and all the silver that you can imagine, as precious as that, all sat under one roof on blue chairs he's not talking about this this building he's talking about us being gathered here the temple of jerusalem it was the envy of the world it was designed that way to be the envy of the world it was designed to be one of the most impressive buildings on the planet and so too are we christians designed to be the most bling envious groups On the planet. Not that we have to show off and be impressive. But people will look at our lives. And see what Jesus has done in our lives. That people will look at us and know that we have believed that Jesus has entered human history. Has died on a cross. To save us from hell. To save us from our sins. To save us for a perfect new creation. Where there is no more crying or pain. Or suffering. But people will look at our lives and see our lives shaped by the gospel. That's what we are to do. That is God's design for us. He has been working uh, for centuries to achieve it. The Jerusalem temple was not the end game. You are the end game. You can read all the Old Testament you like, and you can see them walking working towards a temple. But the temple in the Old Testament is not the end game. You are the end game if you believe in Jesus. We ought to blow the socks off all the most impressive things in this world. Of all the most impressive buildings on this planet. We as God's church are to be more impressive. We're to be more impressive than all the most impressive people in the world. Because we believe that a crucified carpenter is the king of the universe. We are to be impressive. But you and I know that too often the church is not impressive. You and I know that too often uh, the scandal and backbiting and ugliness surrounds God's church. Just like it did in Corinth. Uh, We can be an embarrassment to God's work. That's why we can't be scandalous. Because we are this precious building. Verse 17 is a pretty scary verse, isn't it? He says, if anyone destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him. For God's sanctuary is holy. And that is what you are. The the Corinthians were destroying this temple of God by their backbiting and their factions and their sexual immorality. And Paul says that is not to be for God's New Testament people. It's a harsh warning that God will destroy the person or the people... Who destroys his temple. A harsh warning. Well um, we are to be uh, a sanctuary not scandalous. Well just to conclude. I think verses 18 to 23. Are really the conclusion. There are two imperatives there in verse 18. uh, That no one should deceive himself. That you should not deceive yourself. That you are anything less than. The temple of God. Where God's spirit lives. Where God himself dwells. That you are anything less than precious to God. Because God has been so kind to give you teachers. To grow you into the likeness of Christ. We are not to deceive ourselves in that way. And the second imperative is there at the second half of verse 18. He must become foolish. We are to become foolish. To... Believe the foolish message that Christians believe in. To believe that Jesus came to earth and died on a cross. To believe in our invisible friend. To be mocked and scorned by the world. Because the world will do it. And Peter says here, to be foolish in the world's standards is to become wise in God's standards. So be foolish. I want to leave us uh, with Uh, Verse 21, look at the great promise there, that if you're feeling a second-class citizen tonight, if you're feeling like you haven't grown and you are second-class Christians here tonight, look at what Paul says here. So no one should boast in human leaders, for everything is yours. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. He says it again. Everything is yours. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. So no matter where we are in our spiritual growth this evening, whether we're a Christian or not, whether we've been a Christian a week or ten years, this verse is true for you. If you're a Christian here tonight, everything is yours. And you belong to Christ. And that is the most amazing privilege in the world. Let me pray for us.